We celebrate you. Welcome to Lofty Heights Christian Center, a ministry that exists to raise kingdom influencers. As a church, we emphasize three things. The Word, the integrity of it and its ability to transform, the Holy Spirit, His power and demonstration of the same, and love. Love for God, for yourself, and for others. You are about to experience God's undiluted Word from God's servant. Get ready for a transformation. Micah himself was the author of the book, hallelujah. So in Micah chapter 1, verse 1, you can see the Bible says, The word of the Lord that came to Micah of Moreshet in the days of Jotam, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. Hallelujah. Amen. So we see here that the Bible is referring to um, Micah himself as the one that God revealed these things to. He saw these things, and so he, he wrote um, this book. Hallelujah. Amen. And um, he saw the book concerning Samaria and um, Jerusalem. Who can remind us? Um, Samaria and Jerusalem, they were the capital of which city? Hallelujah. All right. When Israel, when they were going against the will of the Lord, and, you know, it came to a point where the Bible described them as having the northern Israel and the southern Israel. The southern Israel was what um, we called Judah, while the, um, the northern Israel is um, Israel, the one they call Israel himself. You know, based on what they the disturbance that they had amongst themselves, there was now a separation. And so the capital of the northern Israel was Samaria, and the capital of Judah was Jerusalem. Hallelujah. So it's like, you know, we had 12 tribes under Jacob, right? And those 12, when the division came, about two main ones were in one side, another set were in another side. So this set was like the northern side, and this was the southern side. And so this vision came um, through Micah, like when the disobedience started, several things started happening, and you know, they were doing several things against the will of God. And this was one of the um, prophets that God used to speak against them. Hallelujah. Amen. All right, so what do we have as, um, aside the author, what do we have as the team and the meaning? Do you have anything you want to share with us? Yes, yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Um, the the book of Micah, so uh, the meaning of Micah, who is like God, who is like God. And, you know, I think Pastor shared this earlier and, you know, talking about like we went through the major prophets and Micah was one of the minor prophets. And when we look at the book of Micah, we just see prophecies about the destruction of Israel, the destruction in Israel, actually, um, woe to oppressors. It also talks about it having itchy ears and you know, the New Testament, in a way, expresses that itchy ears very clearly, as you would see um, further. But then I would just like us to look at Micah chapter 2, verse 11. That's um, Micah 2, verse 11. So it says, the word of the Lord that came to Micah 2, 11. If a man should walk in a false spirit and speak a lie, saying, I will prophesy to you of wine and drink. Even he would be the prattler of these people. Okay, so my version, the Amplified, says, If a man walking in a false spirit, spouting deception, should lie and say, I'll prophesy to you, O Israel, of wine and liquor, greed, sensual pleasure, he would be the acceptable spokesman of these people. Let's see Second Timothy um, chapter 4, from verse 1 to 4, where it talks about um, having itchy ears. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 to 4. So the, the book of Micah here, the, the prophet was saying to the people that um, if someone comes to you now and starts saying things, prophesying to you things that you like, things about um, sensual pleasure that you like, you would be happy and you accept such person. So 2 Timothy 4, from verse 1 says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, Convince, rebuke, as what? With all long-suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their, des their own desires, 
because they have itching ears. They will heap up for themselves teachers. Sorry, let's see verse 3 again. See, they will heap up for themselves teachers. You know, to bring this down to relevance for today, you know, I don't know if you have friends or even if you are that friend who... When you're doing something right, you like, you like it, you enjoy it when people sing your praises, you want to hear your praises. But then when you're doing something wrong, you don't want to hear about it. Anyone who says, oh, this is the, what you're doing now is, is wrong, you don't want to hear about it, you call that person off, that person is no longer your friend. That's itchy ears. You want to hear what you want to hear. Anything else, you don't want to hear it. When you read the scripture, and the scripture is, is because the scripture is not just for encouragement. It's also for rebuke. It's for reproof. There's rebuke and reproof in the, in the scriptures. So when you read that part, you don't want to pay attention to that. You just want to hear the, the encourage. That is itchy ears. And, you know, the, the prophet Micah was preaching and um, telling the people to not be that way. Hallelujah. 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 That's a wonderful one. So we, we see here um, the prophet, God using the prophet to make some specific accusations. You know, these people had been living in in ways that are contrary to the things that God wanted them to do. And God used, the, um, if we look at, just like Sister Peace has mentioned, let's quickly look at uh, chapter 3, verse 8. Chapter 3, verse 8, he said, But truly I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord and of justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. So he, he, God uses him to, he's one of those prophets that God used specifically to bring out accusations. You know, when they had been doing this, they had been doing this, it was such a time that they, they were living contrary to the will of God, and God raised a prophet to speak out contrary to the things that they were doing in line with God's will. Hallelujah. Amen. He also gave a message of hope. That's the balance. You know, it's so amazing that God... Um, when he sees the Israelite, when he sees each children going astray, he, he brings an opportunity for repentance. He brings out accusation that would challenge them, that would let them know that this thing you are doing is contrary to his will. But as much as God is seeking repentance, it's so amazing how merciful God is. Hallelujah. So we see in this book of Micah, we see like a balance of God's accusation against the contrary ways they are living and God's openness that I am ready to receive you if you would truly be repentant. Hallelujah. And this applies to us all. It applies to the generation we are living in that, okay, there might be several things going astray, but in the midst of that, there is see the team um, that we in the book of Micah is that God is bringing forth judgment. God is raising his voice against attributes, against lifestyles that are contrary to his expectations. And as much as he's raising his voice against all those things, he's also showing that he's merciful. Hallelujah. You know, looking through the, um, the book of Micah, one of the things that just stood out to me, like, the, the characters of God. There are some three main characters of God. The, the mercies of God. You know, he's so merciful that he, he, as much as he doesn't want you to continue living in this, this thing, living in this thing, he still will not just kill anybody anyhow, as many as are willing and ready to be repentant. Hallelujah. So the mercies of God. Now it talks about also the compassion of God. The compassion of God, you know, the, the love of God, the the promises of God. The, God was releasing his promises. You know, he was talking about the Messiah that is coming up front. He was showing the balance of his promise, his compassion with his mercy. Hallelujah. And the third attribute of God is the truth of God that he's revealing. Hallelujah. In the midst of all the things that were, they were doing, the Lord was revealing to them, this is how I live. We'll look at some of the chapters, but... This is like a summary of the theme we have in the book of Micah. God was using this prophet to raise a voice against the ungodly characters that they were living in. Hallelujah. So let's, let's look at some of the chapters. Um, if we look through um, chapter 1 and 2. 
shows us the different accusations that God was giving, you know, in um, in chapter 1, verse 1, it, it mentions again the word of the Lord that came to Micah in the days of Jonathan, um, Jotam, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, which he saw concerning Samaria. In verse 6 of chapter 1, it said, Therefore I will make Samaria a heap of ruins in the field, places for planting a vineyard. He was talking about so many causes, so many punishments that are coming up along with all the things they are doing. Verse 7 says, All her carved images shall be beaten to pieces, and all her pay as a harlot shall be burned with the fire. Hallelujah. So God is using different expressions from this prophet to show all the things that are going to come forth. And then later in chapter 2, God is also showing um, his plans that there is provision for restoration. I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. I will put them together like sheep of the fold, of the fold, like a flock in the midst of their pasture. They shall make a loud noise because of so many people. The one who breaks open will come up, you know, with the Lord at their head. God is showing us his plans of balance. Do we understand what I'm trying to say? By the time we read, it's so amazing that these three books we are reading today, they similarly, they have some similar attributes in the way God used them to express himself. And the similarity about what happened then and what we are having in our generations right now. Hallelujah. So, do you have any other um, book before I go to another chapter? No, any but other? I have this in chapter 3. Okay. Hallelujah. Amen. Chapter 3, verses 9. look at verse um, in verse 8 he said but truly I am full of power by the spirit of the Lord and of justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin that is the prophet talking here that God has truly enabled me he has opened my eyes to see to speak out words against the attributes you know so many things he was bringing out about all the wrong things they were doing let's look at verse 11 her heads judge for a bribe, her priests teach for pay, and her prophets divine for money. Now, it was addressing some specific attributes of the leadership. Now, he talked about the leadership, they were going astray. He talked about the prophets. The prophets, they, aside the leadership, like the political leaderships, they were using all the resources of the country. I'm just bringing all these things out so that we'll see that we see similarities of these things happening in our days now. He talked about their prophet that at some point he said the prophets were now collecting money to, to give people prophecies. Prophecies that are not in line with God's word. Hallelujah. Just because they wanted to get money. That was how corrupt the nation went into. And God was using this prophet to raise that. You can't continue to do this and expect the will of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Verse um, 11. I heard judge for a bride her priests teach for pay, and her prophets divine for money. Yet they lean on the Lord and say, is not the Lord among us? Can you see? No harm can come upon us. In other words, they, they, they kept doing all these things and they were saying, the Lord is among us, the Lord is among us. The Lord is showing us the patterns that we see today. That if we are sensitive to God's word, we will know that nothing that is happening now had never happened before. And God has given us samples of how at the right time you can't we can't force him to do what he's not ready to do he had seen it ahead and at the right time he will bring forth his judgment hallelujah Amen. you want Amen. to thank you sir so when i was reading chapter three one thing that stood out to me and when i saw it i'm like oh wow it's verse five that says this is what the lord says about the prophets who are causing my people to go astray who are calling out peace when they are being fed but who declare war against those who won't feed them. And then he says, You will have nights without visions and darkness without prophecy. The sun will set on the prophets and the day will darken for them. You know, when I, when I read this, you know, reading this now again, what is coming to my mind is, you know, the Lord is declaring war against prophets who are leading his people astray. And it brings my mind to Jeremiah 3.15 when the Lord said to them, I'll give you pastors, shepherds after my own heart. So it, it tells you that as a people, we are special to God. God considers his people very special. And so if, if he's appointing leaders over them, 
he's not just appointing any leader over them. He's appointing people after his own heart. Because, you know, reading this, saying um, those who cause my people to go astray, it means that when the Lord appoints a leader over his people, he's someone that the Lord wants to teach his people. He's someone that the Lord wants to use to teach his people. So it means that when the, was the Lord, for example, in this ministry, the Lord has given us our man of God. Hallelujah. But you know, I like to read that Jeremiah 3 verse 15. It says, I'll give you a shepherd after my own heart who would feed you with knowledge and understanding. So I think it's, it's something that we, we, are, we should appreciate even more often. Because having someone, having a, a person after God's own heart that teaches you the accurate knowledge of God, it's not something that, it's not something that um, we cannot overestimate the value of that. Hallelujah. 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 Let's put hands together for Jesus. Father, we thank you for such a privilege to have a man of God. Hallelujah. You know, God, God brings out this prophet to strike that balance between his judgment and his compassion. Hallelujah. And so we see, we see that God talking about this is what I want you to do. This is where you are. But if you will repent into this, this is what will come. If we look at um, Ephesians chapter 2 where it says, And you made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Aside how Sister Peace has brought it out, like God bringing out, this is their judgment in this time. One thing that stood out to me is how God could relate what was happening then to what is happening in this generation. Do we understand? So in this generation... I, when I meditate on it, it's, it's as though God is saying that if we can truly sit down with the word of God and meditate on it, we will see that there is actually no excuse we can give. You know, some people can say, ah, I don't even know what the word is looking at. I don't know what this one is doing, what this one is being. Nothing wants to happen in this generation or generation to come that a pattern of it had not happened before. And God had revealed to us that he has the plan, he has the compassion, he has his word available for us, as many as will open our heart. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You know, sir, just what you just said now, mm. you know, um, not to go faster, but in chapter 4, when we see from verse 10 to 13, mm -hmm. it says something really striking, you know, uh, um, just about what you said just now, about God's plan for us. Verse 10 says, be in pain and labor to bring forth, O daughter of Zion, like a woman in birth pangs. For now you shall go forth from the city, you shall dwell in the field, and to Babylon you shall go. There you shall be delivered. There the Lord will redeem you from the hand of your enemies. Verse 11 says, Verse 11, Now also many nations have gathered against you who say, Let her be defiled. Let our eye look upon Zion. Verse 12, for they do not know the thoughts of the Lord. Ha! Nor do they understand his counsel. For he will gather them like sheep to the threshing floor. Just like what you said, that the it doesn't just contain the accusations of God, but it, con it contains hope. I know I like what verse 12 says. It says they gather, they, they mock Zion. They say, let us look upon Zion. Let us mock them. Then he says, but they do not know the thoughts of the Lord. They do not know the plans of the Lord. Let's see Second Corinthians, First Corinthians 2 from verse 9 to 16. You know, when I read that part, it made me remember First Corinthians 2 from 9 to 16 where he says that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. It has not entered into the hearts of man what the Lord has prepared for they that love him. And, you know, people may look at us when we go through, so I'm bringing this now to real life or um, present day experience. You know, people may look at you as a righteous man, as a man who trusts in the Lord and say, oh, but he trusts in the Lord. Why is he having, ex why is he experiencing this? Why is this happening to him? They may look at you and they mock, and they, they mock you and they say, but he goes to church every day, but look at his life. Why is his life like that? But he's always in church. He's always serving the Lord, but see his life. But they do not know. They do not know the plan that the Lord has for you. And when you read on from verse 9 to verse, um, from chapter, um, verse 9 to 16, it tells you that even though these people, they don't know, but it, the Lord has put it in your heart. You know, that's why when we go through challenges, we are not like they that are in the dark. You know, Pastor was saying, when Pastor was um, teaching us about um, Jeremiah, he was telling us that even though the Lord told them you're going to captivity, he told them what will happen to them. It, it gave them the assurance that you are coming out of the stronger. So as believers, the word of the Lord must have 
the loudest say in our minds. So even when people are mocking or say he believes in God, but see what is going on with him. Even when, as a believer, you think that, oh, I'm, I've, I'm, I've fallen. I gave the devil room to attack me. That's why this is happening to me. But, but, says a righteous man may fall seven times, but he will surely rise up again. So, and then, you know, Pastor, Pastor would always say that um, um, when we're going through tri trials, we're not, we're not, we're not without hope. We're not without the assurance that we are surely coming out of this stronger. We're not without the assurance that God will cause all things to work together for our good. And that is why also when it comes to um, um, looking at, you know, Pastor was teaching us the other day about um, uh, pastors or ministers yes. or believers yes. who maybe they fall and you see them fall. Don't yes. laugh at them because yeah. this scripture too applies. Yeah. It says people gloat over them, but they don't know the plans of God. Because everyone who believes in God, who, who trusts in God, the Lord holds them close. He holds them tightly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, to put a summary to the lessons we have in this, um, in this book, like I mentioned that there are like three themes that we can pick out. Talking about the, the mercies of God. The mercies of God is, is, is balanced with the compassion of God. What do we mean by the message of God? The message of God is that part of God that makes him unable to just kill, unable to make him destroy because he is so merciful. Now, the compassion of God is what comprises the promises of God. You know, when you tell a child, Daddy, let's play together. No, 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 I'm busy now. We'll play in the evening. You just said you will play in the evening. You have made a statement that that child, a smart child, will use it to stand with you. When it's getting close to evening, Daddy, let's play. No, 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 I'm tired. Ah, but you said we will play in the evening. Do you understand? So the promises of God are the words of God that has gone ahead of us. That comprises all his plans for us. And that is what brings about his compassion. Now, we now see like there has to be a balance. Does it mean that because God is compassionate, we can live anyhow, we can do anything? That is where the truth of God comes in. So... This book shows us the attributes of God, the mercies of God. He's such a merciful God that even though we are going astray, his mercy will not make him just destroy us. He has compassion for us because he has made his promises ahead. In the book of um, Ephesians chapter 1, he said, um, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Just as he chose us. Do you understand? It means before the foundation of the world, before we even started sinning, he had made some plans ahead. But the balance between the plans he has for us is the truth that he has revealed to us. Hallelujah. So the summary of the lessons we have in the book of um, the prophet uh, Micah is that God has his truth revealed to us. And through his truth, we know we know his compassion. We know that he doesn't want us to continue in ungodliness. Hallelujah. Amen. Have you picked something from that book? Yes, Hallelujah. Come on, bless the name of the Lord. Now let's look at the next book. I'm sorry, sorry. before okay. we just go, I have just yes. two um, things that also struck me. Okay. Uh, just to reiterate um, that chapter 4. Um, you know, chap um, chapter 7, verse 8 says, from verse 7 in chapter 7, says, but as for me, I will look expectantly for the Lord, and with confidence in him, I will keep watch. I will wait with confidence, expectation for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Then verse 8 says something very striking. It says, do not rejoice over me amid my tragedies, O my enemy. Do I fall, I will rise. Do I sit in the darkness of distress? The Lord is a light for me. Again, buttressing what he said in, in um, chapter 4. And you know, um, there was one day I, I think this, I got this word from a, a promise, an, an assurance rather. Um, this is Psalm 37 from verse 23 to 24. Just again emphasizing what the prophet Micah said here. Psalm 37 from 23 to 24. If you can just give me, maybe in the NIV or ISV. Hallelujah. So he says, the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. 
again buttressing that hallelujah and then just the last thing that i i really um got from my um, the book of micah when i was reading this is i just love how you know when pastor started this and you know pastor started to connect um the things that we see in the old testament to the new testament and you know pastor always say that until you start seeing jesus in the old testament you've not started reading your bible yeah. and you know when we re- when you look at chapter five As i was going to mention that actually yeah yes yes sir yes sir yeah, chapter 5. Um, if you look at verse 2 mm-hmm. and verse 4, talking about the coming of the Messiah, oh, yes. you know, the plans of God ahead of time. You know, verse 2 says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrata, mm-hmm. though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me, the one to be ruler in Israel, Hallelujah. whose going forth are from of old, Hallelujah. from everlasting. Hallelujah. Amen. In verse 4, he said, and he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall abide. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. Hallelujah. Amen. So this is talking about Jesus. Is is showing us the prophecy of the coming of Jesus. And when Jesus came, it, it was a fulfillment of this word. Is it not amazing to see that several years back, all those things were going on and God was already showing us that I am a thoughtful God. Hallelujah. I know the thoughts I have towards you. Amen. I know the plans that I have towards you. Let's put hands together for Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. Thank you so this is, this is a comfort for us that whatever goes on around us, no matter what we are seeing around us, we should not be carried away as believers. We know that things may go wrong, things may go helter-skelter, but God has his plans and he's just waiting. Nobody can make him be in a hurry or be delayed. He walks in the accuracy of his timing. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now let's go to the next book. The book of Nahum. Hallelujah. Amen. Now the book of Nahum is written, um, if we look at um, chapter 1 verse 1 also, it says, the burden against Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum, the Elkoshite. Hallelujah. Now, one of the things that happened in, in the book of Micah is that God used Assyria. Assyria was one of the foreign nations that was an enemy to the, um, to the nation of God. And it, was, it came to a point where they, they were so much astray. They went so much astray that God raised an enemy nation to deal with them. And so in the book of Micah, we see how God used Assyria to bring them down. But in the book of Nahum, we see how God raised another nation to bring down that Assyria. That, that, talking specifically about Babylon. If we, if we look to the um, verses now. So, looking ahead into the summary of this book, we, we are seeing how God, you know, in the book of Nahum, the prophet was crying to God, that, ah, God, what is happening? Why would this happen? Why would this happen? I will, God said, don't worry, I will use As- um, Babylon to bring down Assyria. And he was saying, no, Babylon is even a worse nation than Assyria. How can you use Babylon to bring down this, to do what you want to do? Do you use ungodly things to bring forth your will? God was replying to him, who are you to question me? I am God. I am God. So we we if we as we are looking through, we'll see that all the things that we see in our generations now, they are just repetition of what had happened. Hallelujah. Amen. God knows how to make things go along with his will when he wants to. Sometimes you will see some things will be happening. Okay, in, in maybe in this particular nation, ah, things are going wrong. They are saying this one, this is what is happening now. This is I don't want to start mentioning um Okay, talk about COVID, talk about this, talk about this one. Several things are going to happen. There are different methods that God can still use, even though there are evil things that are happening. This book is one of the samples that God uses to show us that when he wants to make his will happen, nothing can stop him. Hallelujah. So the, 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 the author of the book is Nahum. And so we, we go into the team. You want to say something? Um, about the book of Nahum, um, the meaning the meaning of Nahum, it means comfort. Mm-hmm. It means comfort. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, you know, this book of Nahum, it taught me so many things. And, you know, one thing that really stood out, of, stood out for me in this book of Nahum is how the Lord stresses on 
he would not let the guilty go unpunished. Mm -hmm. You know, that's uh, Nahum 1, verse 3, chapter 1, verse 3. It says, the Lord is slow to anger and great in power, and he will by no means leave the guilty. It says, by no means leave the guilty unpunished. You know, when I read this, I'm like, oh, wow. And then what came to my mind was Romans 8.1. If you can just have it in the Amplified. Romans 8.1, Amplified. Where it says, there is therefore now no condemnation. Ha! Ah, he says, the Lord will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. And then the Lord now speaking, he's saying, therefore there is now no condemnation, no adjudging guilty of wrong. The word adjudging guilty of wrong means that the Lord is not officially, you are not guilty. That's what he's saying. He says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who live and walk not after the dictates of the flesh, but after the dictates of the spirit. You know, when I read that, it occurred to me that that means, for, the, for this scripture to tell me that the Lord will never leave the guilty unpunished, and then the Lord now saying later that there is therefore no, now condemn, no condemnation for you, no adjudging guilty of wrong to you who, who believe in Jesus, who are in Christ Jesus, it means that the Lord really punished Jesus for our guilt. Let's see Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, um, verse 5. We can just have that in the Amplified still. Isaiah 53, verse 5. Isaiah 53, verse 5. It says, but he was, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. The chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being that for us was upon him. And with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. No, it tells me that it's useless now to bear guilt. Because the one who said, I will not leave if you are guilty, I will punish you. Now he's telling you that you're not guilty. It's like in a, in a court of law, the judge is saying, you are not guilty. You are discharged and acquitted. I think that's how they say it. You are discharged and acquitted. And you're still saying, no, I'm guilty. You must punish me. But he cannot even punish you. Even if you, you start dragging the, the judge by his, his um, is it rope or what do they call it? the uh, thing that they wear, even if you start pulling it, he still cannot punish you. Why? Because if he punishes you, it means that he's unjust. So it's useless when we beat ourselves up for guilt. The Lord, the almighty judge, the one and only judge of the universe says you are not guilty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So leave it that way. Hallelujah. Let's celebrate Amen. Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, the book of Nahum, is like a continuation of what we had in the book of Micah. In this place is... God is using it to show the fall of um, Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian um, Empire. You know, so in Micah, God used Assyria to bring the nation of Israel down. And then in Nahum, God is demonstrating, just as um, Sister Pisa has mentioned, how he can bring down any nation that goes against his will. And not just that. So there, there, is a, there are two balances. The fate, the fate, F-A-T-E, of a nation that is working against God, how God can bring it down, and the mercy of God to a nation that is ready to accept him, how God can lift him up. Hallelujah. And so God shows how he, he brought down the ungodly nation, the enemy nation, and how he raised up the, Isra the Israelite nation, the nation that were his, as much as they are ready to accept his will. Hallelujah. If we look at... Um, Chapter 1, verse 7, um, in verse 3, where Stapis quoted, he said, The Lord is slow to anger and great in power, and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. In verse 7 of that same chapter 1, he said, The Lord is good, is stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. Can you see that? He's showing us a balance. There is one side of those who are going against his will. You know, when I meditated on this book of Nahum, several, we just, it's like repetition of some patterns. Some patterns of ungodliness. So the, the prophet, God uses the prophet to raise causes against the ungodliness. And then in the other part, that is the judgment side. And then the other part, God uses that same prophet to raise the hope of those that are ready to accept him. So God used it to show me like a pattern. Oh, okay. So this is actually like a pattern of what happens in our nations from generations to generations. Sometimes some things will be happening, some things will be happening, and then we'll see it to go now. And then another one will start happening. 
the summary of it is that our God is a merciful God. Hallelujah. As many nations are, are standing against him, as are going against his will, at the right time, God knows how to pull them down. And as many nations that their hearts are opened, hallelujah, God knows how to lift them up. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's look, let's look also into the book of um, chapter 3, verse 19. Now, you know, like I said, there are two, there are two sides that God is raising attention to, the judgment side and the hope side, the mercy side. So in the judgment, again, in verse 19 of chapter 3, okay, let's look verse 1 first. It said, Woe to the bloody city. It is all full of lies and robberies. Its victims never depart. So he's talking about a city that looks as if ah, everything is just going well. Everything is just going well. He's calling our attention that as children of God, things may look, oh, things are just bright. Everything is shining. We are not carried away. We are not so easily distracted by mere things that have no foundation in God. In verse 19, he said, Your injury has no healing. Your wound is severe. All who hear news of you will clap their hands over you. For upon whom has not your wickedness passed continually? Now, he's talking about this wicked nation. This nation that has lived against the, the will of God, the result, the outcome that God brings out of it. So the summary of what we are saying, the lesson of what we are saying in this book of Nahum is that as believers, we are not just moved by things that are bright, things that are shiny. Because aside the shininess of things, we must be mindful of the will, the foundation being rooted in God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So God shows us the balance of his cause on the wicked nation, the judgment, and his mercy on the nation that are ready to accept him. Hallelujah. Amen. Yes, sir. You know, reading the minor prophets, I was just, when I was reading um, the Micah and Nahum, I was just <laughs> remembering what Pastor was saying last week. Um, the reason why um, Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh, because even though they had sinned, um, he knew that God would still have mercy he knew on the, them. He knew the ways of God. Yes, and you know, that's something that I think it has just been, it's really, really consistent in this, uh, the book of the Minor exactly. Prophet. Because even when you, you look at um, Nahum, it says in um, verse, chapter 1, it says, it says somewhere, it says, um, I'll tear up the yoke from you. I'll tear up the shackles from you. So that is verse, chapter 1, verse 12. It says, this is what the Lord says. Though they are, though they are at full strength and many in number, even so, they will be cut off and passed away. Though I have afflicted you and caused you grief, I will afflict you no longer. Now I will break this yoke of taxation off you, and I will tear off your shackles. So seeing that, oh, God is, God is rebuking them for their sin, but there's also that merciful part. There's also that merciful part of the Lord also drawing them to drawing them to Himself. You know, I think the the, the scripture talking, God speaking to Ephraim, um, in the scripture, He says, "I cannot bear to look at you this way." To show you that even when their sin was separating them from God, they were not even listening. They had itchy ears, they were disobedient, they were rebellious. Still, there was still that compassion, that merciful nature of God that was still drawing and longing and chasing after them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the summary I'm, I'm picking out, the lessons I'm picking out, one of the things I'm, I'm picking out, I want to quickly read here. I, I wrote down that the human history is filled with several events and tribes and things that elevate themselves against the will of God. The book of Nahum uses Assyria and Babylon to show how God is grieved by all of such things and is care for the death of innocence and ungodly things that happen. God is judgment on evil is good news to those who trust him. What, what am I saying here is that God is using this as a sample to let us see, to awaken us that when things are happening, you know, some news will just happen, you will hear some things like, ah, what they have, is this, is this? No. We as believers, we have a foundation on the word of God with which we, are, we cannot be easily shaken. We have come to understand that these are just patterns. They are just things that will happen. It will go up. It will come down. 
only what is rooted in the word of God, only what is rooted in the truth of God will stand. Things will happen that will exalt itself against the Lord as though, ah, this is what is raining now. This is what is raining. We know if we, if we, if we just try to estimate five years back now, in a couple of years ago, we know which one is raining. The one before, you know how many things are raining. Before you know it's two years' time, you will see that something else will come up that you will forget what, what about this raining right now as though it never existed. And the one that is raining at the moment is the one that will rise up. But it's a lesson for us that our God reigns forever. Only his truth will reign forever. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay, let's move to the um, last one as we round up because of our time. What's the next book? Somebody tell me what's the next book? Very wonderful uh, book. Okay. You want to start with that? Any information? Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Um, I like the way when you were talking about, um, you know, um, things will pass away and the word of God will remain um, just now. It was just, you know, giving me more insight about Abacock. And I think the way these three books, they tie up so nicely is that the Lord tells these people, um, his people about their sins. And he, he, more like he let them go into captivity and all of that, all of that, all of that. But the Babylonians that captured them and were punishing them and all of that, even though it was more like the Lord was using the Babylonians to teach them a lesson, <laughs> then the Lord turned around again and punished the Babylonians. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh, these are my people. You're punishing them. I'm looking at you. Whatever. Go ahead. But then he now turned around to punish the Babylonians were punishing his people. You know, that's another, I feel like that's another um, side of God's mercy and compassion for his people as well. And I think that's what the, the book of Habakkuk is um, mostly about. And the word Habakkuk means embrace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, you know, um, going through the, uh, the book of Habakkuk, you know, the way um, Habakkuk said, I will stand and wait for the Lord. I will stand and wait for what he would say to me. You know, I really like that part. You know, saying I will stand at my, that's chapter 2 yes. from verse 1. I will stand at my guard post and station myself on the tower. I will keep watch to see what the Lord will say to me. And what answer I will give as a spokesman when I am reproved. You know, I love this because he's saying that I will, I will wait for the Lord and I will hear what the Lord will say to me. And I'll also listen for what the Lord will, will give me to say when I am reproved. You know, it talks about, it just gives me a picture of what um, the Lord says in the New Testament, you know, talking to the disciples, that when you are when you are being you're captured, don't worry about what you will say because on that day, whatever what you will say, it will be given to you. Given. You know, so I love how the, the prophet Habakkuk he wanted to hear what what he would say. What should I say when I'm reproved? He was not thinking of oh, um, this is what I will say when they say this. I will say that no. He was waiting to, to hear from the Lord. What would I say to them when I am reproved? Hallelujah. And you know, I love the way the Lord answered him and said, um, the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and engrave it plainly on, on clear tablets so that the one who reads it will run. You know, I like it because you, you mentioned that uh, um, just now, um, talking about um, our foundation and the word of God, um, how things are happening, but we are rooted in the word of God. And I think this really speaks clearly to it, you know, knowing what the Lord says. You know, I have this habit of, when the Lord says something to me, I have a, I have a diary that I have had since 2017. Whatever the Lord um, um, say to me, whatever the Lord says to me, I write it down there. And so there are times when the Lord speaks certain things to you, even, even prophecies, when the, the our man of God gives you prophecy, you are you would forget if you don't write it down. That's the truth. And so you would forget that maybe you're going through a challenge and you would forget that the Lord has said something concerning that challenge. But when you write it down, you, when you make it plain, write it down and you keep going over it, your heart is strengthened. Your heart is, is encouraged because discouragement, despondence comes when we take our hearts, when we take our eyes off the word of God. So I really like it that the Lord said to the prophet, write down what I will say to you. Make it plain. Let it be bold. Just engrave it plainly on clear, clear tablets so that the one who reads it will run with it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let's celebrate Jesus. Wonderful. You know, it's so it's so amazing. You know, when I looked through the book of um, Abacook, just to buttress on the key points Sister Peace has made, you know, when we started from um, Mika, the Bible used, erased a prophet. You know, in those days, several things that happened, what was the usual occurrence was that God will raise a prophet in this, in this part of the scripture. 
that would come and curse them, that would raise curses that this is what you are doing. It will call their attention to the evil they are doing and raise curses to it. Okay, so in, in, in Micah, God raised the curses. These are the things that, you, these are the evil you are doing. I'm going to raise a nation called Assyria. With that Assyria, I will bring you down. When it came to Nahum, God raised the, another prophet. He, this one too was raising curses to them that, okay, you are doing this, you are doing this. I'm going to raise another nation, Babylon. God was showing, you know, because Nahum was arguing with God. Ah, how could you use an ungodly nation to come and write correction? God was showing them that if you will not listen, some things will happen. Some things will happen that may appear to you as though there are challenges, there are difficulties. In my own wisdom, I know how to use challenges. I know how to use difficulties. I know how to use things that appear as ungodly at the moment to bring forth my will. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So God used that. Now in the book of Habakkuk, it was a kind of a little different pattern. The, the conversation of Habakkuk was more like a lament between himself and God. You know, if we, if we read through the book of um, Habakkuk compared to Micah and Nahum, where God will raise the prophet, the prophets will say, you disciple, you are doing this, he will raise some curses. In this place, it was like a conversation between Habakkuk and God that God, I, I, I thought from what I heard from our generations past, I thought you are a good God. Why have you allowed it to wait for so many years? Because it, it was going for so many years and there wasn't any change coming. One of the things God called my attention to is that as children of God, we can seek the will of God so much that something is happening. You know, so, sometimes an issue is happening. Things is happening and everybody is complaining. Everybody is complaining. You don't just join everybody to complain in the complaint that everybody is complaining. It is our responsibility to lament to God. Hallelujah. Habakkuk, he waited on God. It was like what I call intercessory lamentation. He was raising intercessions. He was just like, ah, God, what is happening? This thing is happening. This thing. You can be in a family and you are seeing a pattern of things that are happening. Ah, this thing is continues to happen. This thing. But if you are sensitive to God, if you are committed to the word of God, God can help your heart to begin to see that this is not the will of God in this family. And when you see such thing, you don't just sit down and allow that thing to fall on you as well. It is our responsibility to lament to God, to pray unto God, to intercede to God, to, you know, you commit the situation into God's hands until you bring forth what is God's will. That was what happened. And so we see in several cases, in that verse 1 of chapter 2, where Sister Peace read, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampant and watch to see what he will say to me. Here is someone that it's a different pattern. Unlike Micah and Nahum, where God raised to curse the nation, the, the Israelites, to let them see their sin and to promise them the hope. This time around, this one is saying that, Lord, I'm not just going to curse them. What exactly are you saying? To me. Do we understand what I'm trying to say? So this book, it called my attention to so much power that we carry as children of God to intercede. Hallelujah. So much power we carry to lament to God when things are happening. When you could be in a gathering. Okay, this thing is going wrong. This thing is going wrong. Don't just join every other person in just complaining about it and saying what every other person is saying. You can stand your ground. You can stand your watch and wait on God that God I'm lamenting about this situation. And then if you would do that, what would begin to happen is that God will respond. There were two major complaints that Habakkuk made to God. And in those complaints, God responded to him. One of the responses is what we see in verse 2 of chapter 2. Um, then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain. On top, Just like Sister Peace said, what she said several years back, I've been doing that also. There are some, I have notes of messages like you it's a, it's a it's a compulsory habit for us as children of god learning to wait on god learning to lament to god what when something is happening around you don't just join the multitude of people and complain about it and say this and you too you are allowing that thing to compress you into that same attitude we can lament ourselves out hallelujah Amen. 
So you know this thing you're saying now, like when you started saying, um, when you see things like that happen in your family, it is your duty to change Take it. the responsibility. Take the responsibility for it. You know, when you said that, I just remembered Revelations 1-6. Mm-hmm. And it says that the Lord has made us king priests. Hallelujah. He has made us into a kingdom of, of kings. And he has made us kings and priests. Hallelujah. You know, and you know, when, when we look at the Old Testament, what is the duty of a priest? The priest is the one who he taught, he, on the behalf of people, he, the behalf of his people, he, um, Here's what God has to say. Here's what God has to say, but he intercedes on behalf of his people. So for his people's sins, he talks to the Lord on behalf of his people's sins. So he intercedes on behalf of his people. That's one duty of, of a priest. So like you said, when things are going on like that and you don't like it, you intercede on behalf of your family or your surrounding, your neighborhood, your environment, your nation, your city, you know. And then he says he has made us kings. So what is the duty of a king? In Job, he says that where the word of a king is, there is power. So we are priests unto God. So we intercede on behalf of our community, on behalf of our city. Don't just, I mean, I, I feel like, you don't just fold your hands. So your things are going on. People are dying of COVID or whatever is going on in the city, in the nation. Don't fold your hands and think, oh, it's not happening to my family, so I don't have to bother. Or no. you just allow it to happen to you yourself yes, and you yes. keep quiet about and, it. And even if it's not even happening to your family, mm-hmm. but it's happening in your city, don't fold your hands because the Lord has made you what? Hallelujah. Kings and priests. And he says, yeah, Lord admonishes us to pray for rulers, pray for our nations, pray for our cities. You know, so you, you intercede on their behalf. But I like that part in Job where it says that the Lord, where the word of a king is, there is power. Yes. So when you intercede for your nation, when you pray for your nation, when you pray for your family, then you begin to release words of power. Words of power as a king that the Lord has made you. And when you release those words of power like that, there is definitely a change that will happen. Hallelujah. 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 Let's celebrate Jesus. Hallelujah. Our God is good all the time. You know, it's such a, it's such a wonderful um, awakening call that we see in this particular um, book of Habakkuk. We have seen a pattern in Micah. We have seen a pattern in Nahum. And now God is showing us another pattern. You know, I picked out some key in those, in like in chapter 2, verses 2 and 2 to 5, where Micah was raising his complaints to God and God gave his responses. I picked out some key points there that God will bring Babylon down. You know, God had used Assyria to bring down the nation of Israel. Then he he now used Babylon when um, Nahum was praying that God should restore. God's okay. I will use this other nation, Babylon. When Habakkuk heard, ah, God, why will you use ba- Habakkuk? I mean, um, Babylon. Babylon is even a worse nation than the one you had used before. But God said, no, I am the one. I have set things in timing. God used Babylon to bring down the nation of Assyria to restore Israel. The lesson I learned in that is that different times of our age, there are things that will happen. And God in his wisdom, he knows how to use each of those ones to establish what his will is for that timing. Hallelujah. Now, the fact that God will use Babylon does not mean that God supports all the corrupt things they are doing. That lesson for me is that we could see someone using, ah, okay, Yahoo, Yahoo, they are doing this one, they are doing this. Pastor, is not that same, Yahoo, Yahoo. Hallelujah. <laughs> Alright, we could see nations practicing things like this. They are doing this one, they are doing this one, and it's bringing forth what we call um, something, enjoyment. Enjoyment is not the same thing as fulfillment of God's purpose. Hallelujah. Now, I, I, I now see like two patterns. Okay, it means that you know, sometimes when some people are trying to entice us as believers, they would say that if you are serving God, it means that you will not enjoy life. The God we serve is not a God that does not know how to enjoy life. There is goodness in God. But the goodness in God does not necessarily how to carry along corruption. So God shows us the patterns. He used Assyria, which is a nation that has the good side and has the corruption. God used it to correct his people. His people are now wondering, ah, you used Assyria, you used Babylon, but God still brought the Babylon down. What is the summary of what God is telling us? Is that you don't have to suffer. You don't have to be in pain if you are walking with God. God has the best of plan for you. Do we understand what I'm trying to say? And so at the same time, the fact that you want to enjoy all that God has for you does not mean that you have to neglect the truth of God. 
So where is the balance? That brings us back to those three attributes. I said I saw the mercy of God, the compassion of God, and the truth of God. The will of God, the enjoyment in God is balanced by the truth we find in his word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we see in, in the later part of Habakkuk chapter 3, the Lord is showing us through um, this prophet from verse 17. He said, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on my high heels. Hallelujah. We are seeing the balance here that this man, this prophet, God used him to show us that even though things are going wrong, even though the, the fig trees may not bring forth fruit, it does not mean that it has to be like that forever. If we can lament, if we can intercede, if we can seek the truth of God's word to strike the balance of his mercy and his compassion, we will see the fullness of his will. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. You want to add something before we run up? Okay. And so we come to an end of it today. How many of us have picked something today? Can you see a pattern in the book of Micah, Nahum, and Habakkuk? Micah, God used the prophet to raise the accusations on Israel. He shows that he's going to use this nation to bring them down because of their sins. And he also proclaims the hope God has for them. Nahum, similar pattern happened. God brought another nation, Babylon. He used that one to bring down the Assyrian nation. And he later brought down the Babylon nation itself to raise up his people. Is showing us that there will be times, there will be things that will happen. Several things will be celebrated in different generations. In this generation now, if we look at, do you, if, if we look at the pattern of dance, for example, if you are from Nigeria, you understand what I'm trying to say. Five years ago, there were some patterns that were raining. Three years ago, there will be some patterns that were raining. If we are attentive to this, we will see that in all of this, there is a truth of God that remains forever. And that truth is found in his word. Hallelujah. Jesus is the full revelation of that truth. And the Lord is our strength as we uphold on it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Let's celebrate Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. I want us to just spend a few minutes to talk to God. What specific thing has God spoken to you? For me personally... The Lord has shown me that there are patterns. There are things that will happen. But in the midst of it all, His truth remains. And we must be sensitive to His word. Is there anyone under the voice this evening? Whether in person or online. If you are doubting, you are wondering, where am I? Where am I? In this truth of God's word, where, where am I standing? I want you to raise up your hand or raise lift up your heart to God say father I open up myself to you renew me and replenish me give me a new passion for your word give me a new hunger and thirst if you have been carried away by all the noise God has shown us that he can raise a nation Assyria that will look as if it's the best thing that is happening part time then another time Babylon will happen Different patterns of things will happen. But whatever is not in his will will not stand. I want us to open up our mouth and say, Father, oh, I release myself to you. I open up my heart to you. I want to go all out for you in the name of Jesus. I refuse to be distracted by anything that is raining part-time. Whatsoever pattern is raining in my family, in my nation, in the people around me, I receive a heart for lamentation, a heart for intercession, to lament my way out into the fullness of your will. In the name of Jesus, I receive grace to pray out, to establish your exact will for my life and my generation. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, we commit our heart to you, Lord. Renew our strength, Lord. We have seen that your word stands forever. 
regardless of what happens, regardless of the patterns that we see, they are coming down. And so, Father, we open up our heart to you, Lord. We go all out for you. We receive new grace, new hunger and thirst for you. In the name of Jesus, you have shown us that the Messiah had existed even from the days of the prophet. And now you have brought him to pass. Father, we open up our heart to the fullness of your will in this generation. In the name of Jesus, that you will use us to the fullness. In our families, in our career, in all that concerns us, you will raise up, Lord, to establish your will. In the name of Jesus, in all our contacts, in every of our relationships, in every responsibility committed to our hands, Lord, we will stand for you and we will bring forth the fullness of your will. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, glorious Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We trust God that this ministration blessed your life tremendously. Do share your testimony and experience with us by emailing us at hello at myloftyheightsglobal.org. For more life-transforming messages from our ministry, please visit and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also stay connected with us across our social media platforms at My Lofty Heights. To give to our ministry, please visit our website. We love you. We honor you and we celebrate you.